0: Welcome back to the Florida History Podcast. I'm Carter Krishnire. Really excited to bring uh, to you two episodes the next two weeks with Kevin Kokemore, who has written the supreme book on colonial Florida for, for, for my taste, you know, kind of a, a comprehensive look at Florida in La Florida, which is out now in bookstores and, uh, you can get online as well and uh, we'll give you some more of that information uh, later in this show and of course next week as well so one of the themes of your of of La Florida, which is such a comprehensive uh, read about colonial Florida and and really kind of the most comprehensive thing I've seen personally, one of the themes is of. The real founding story of North America, which is something I like to stress over and over again, it the origin does come from Florida, including the first Thanksgiving. So uh, uh, walk us through that a little bit.
1: Sure. Well, I use the first Thanksgiving as an introduction. And it really just is there to it, – it opens up with something that that everyone thinks that they know pretty well. Uh, It's something that was, it was a harvest festival. They know the date, they know the place, they know the players, they know the meaning. And it's one of those moments where you take a step back and you say, yeah, that's, it's great and everything, but you know, that had already happened. Um, And so it's a great way to introduce this idea of, you know, I call it a founding mythology in the book and, and I'm sure we'll get into, you know. Sort of how that works a little bit later, but there, there, there's there aren't a whole lot of examples that are more cut and dry about something that is actually more complicated than that, and it does have its origins in the southeast, and it has its origins, you know, if you do the math, almost 80 years, or, you know, several generations before Plymouth even exists, so. The counter-narrative to that is that when Pedro Menendez de Aviles founds St. Augustine, there are these several feast days. There's four of them. And and it's a, they're feasts of thanksgiving. And he is giving thanks for all sorts of stuff. The, 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 the trip over is dangerous and people die on the, that passage across the Atlantic and in the Caribbean. A storm could pop up in no time flat and you would just disappear. So there's thanks to be given for that. And then there's thanks to be given for this just horrendous history of violence that had just taken place, you know, just crushing this French outpost just to the north in present day Jacksonville. And he gives thanks for that. And it's during one of these Thanksgiving feasts. Uh, one of the first two, we think, is that, you know, he one of his priests writes that we dined with the natives and we gave thanks. And, you know, that's all that's written about it. It's like literally one line. But if you look at the Thanksgiving feast in New England, that's also like one line. So we don't know a whole lot more about the Florida version than we do about the New England version. But the reality is that... there's thanks to be given. There's a dinner that's had. There's wine that's had. I think, you know, a Spanish version would look a lot different than a Puritan version in New England. I think it's something very, if you think of very typical Spanish fare, it would have been available on a ship. It would have been like dried beans, dried everything, dried. Uh, cured sausages, wine, maybe honey, biscuits, stuff like that, you know, and, and would the natives have brought stuff with them, uh, you know, obviously, they would have brought seafood, they would have brought uh, venison, stuff like that, and all of that's conjecture, you know, I don't know what's eaten, um, because everything everything that we know about it is from one line that says the governor dined with the Indians, or the natives, and everything was great, but again, you know, we take all these liberties with what must have happened with the, the Thanksgiving in New England. You know, we, we don't. Um, there's no shortage of uh, of of ideas about how that would have played out, and uh, and here we have basically the same thing, and then it happens in you know 1565, 15 in the
0: 15 the 1560s, and say that place where they have it, Saint Augustine, still exists. It's
1: there. You know, there was probably the number of Dios uh, mission site right there, just a little bit north of downtown Saint Augustine, is probably where that had taken place. And you know, there you have it. It's it's, it's in the um, it's in the historical record. If you're talking about a a community giving of thanks, um, you know the, the the Thanksgiving version in New England would have been uh, a, a giving of thanks for a very important harvest, and and the giving of thanks in St Augustine was for a very important moment where a battle was fought and won, and possession of this place called the Florida was secure. And there was, that was that was a moment of, of great jubilation at Thanksgiving, and so the the meaning of it might be might be a little different the the context around it might be a little different, but in a lot of ways it's exactly the same thing
0: so f- following off that point uh, as someone who's just recently once again visited Fort Caroline and Fort Matanzas, uh, I have to ask you about uh, you you have a lot in the book about Catholic Church violence, which is kind of. Shocking. And even the, uh, the the premise of it when I visited these places uh, in Florida is shocking to wrap your head around. Um, uh, well, uh, talk to us a little bit about that, because you have a lot of that in the book. And some of it is stuff that, uh, quite honestly, I hadn't seen covered before, which was really, really educational.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, it, it's 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 not. I wouldn't necessarily say it's controversial, but it's it's a, it's at times surprising, and it's at times surprisingly dark. And and the the book, uh, La Florida is is uh, structured around uh, connections. Uh, Florida is connected to the Caribbean, and then the second section is about origins. And one of the real origin stories of uh, exploration, I guess, if you could call it that, or attempted colonization, is that the Catholic Church had quite a role to play, and that is also an extension of previous conquest, previous colonization, and um, it actually, you know, th- there's a backstory there, and it's it's really, you know, the, the Spaniards that come aren't just normal run-of-the-mill merchants uh they aren't madrid merchants that are looking to make an easy buck these are you know these are what you would refer these are christian warriors that are here to make a name for themselves but also to glorify the catholic church and that is um a very particular history that the you know that that really creates the modern day nation of spain it was this 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 struggle that takes place over just dozens of generations in the Iberian Peninsula that really creates Spain. It's a struggle between more or less proto you know the Spanish Catholics and Moors and Berbers from North Africa that, that come that have come in and established uh, an, an Islamic uh, basically government. And you have this warfare that takes place, the Reconquista, where they win back, you know, they these, these Spanish Catholics win back this nation, you know, one, one season at a time until finally the last one falls in 1492. I enjoy teaching that moment in my classes all the time because 1492 to me represents just the, one of the most incredible coincidences in world history because Christopher Columbus has nothing to do with the Reconquista. He's just trying to find a way to markets, to new markets. And he comes back right at this exact moment, almost the, almost the exact moment, the exact year when this war ends and when this war ends there's an entire there's an entire group of nobility these hidalgos that have made their names they've made their fortunes everything they know was based off warfare and a warfare that glorified the church a warfare that was against unchristian non-christians a a war that was waged against non-believers and this shapes the church and shapes these men. And they and and as soon as the and as soon as you know you can almost put yourself in that moment where Columbus comes back and says, you know, I, I didn't find any new markets, but I did find this entire half of the world that are populated by unchristian, you know, non Christians that are
0: covered in gold. And you can just <laughs> imagine,
1: you can imagine all these conquistadors are kicking rocks down the street, wondering what they're going to do with their life, and then all of a sudden this is it's just like this the safety valve of just all of the most Motivated, but also incredibly problematic people that that more or less flood into the new world, right? The, or, or, you know, what what they refer to as the new world into South America, Central America, into the Caribbean, and you know, it's it is a fight. It is an attempt to make money the way they know how to make money, which is through colonization, subjugation, exploitation. Obviously, it's it's there's money to be made there. There's incredible power. But it's also it's there is this call to convert. I mean, there's this call to convert through force, uh, and that is a call that's made absolutely at the highest levels of the Catholic Church. And they, there are these bulls of donation, which basically say, you know, wherever they are on earth, it's your Christian duty to seek them out and convert or subjugate. So that is a thread that you know you can you can you know already that this story is not going to end well for the natives, right? That they will be forced the Spaniards will attempt to force them uh to 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 accept Catholicism. And I, I I talk about that. They they literally read the requirement that says you will be you are required to accept Catholicism or we will essentially destroy you. The other thread to that is that you know there's another battle that's going on and this is the Reformation and the Counter-Reformation. And the French that land at Fort Caroline are Huguenots. They are they are Lutherans right they are original reformed faith Protestants and that is a if there is if there is anything worse than a Lutheran it's a Lutheran preaching to the natives that you're trying to convert yourself so i mean my god not only is it a territorial or a piracy thing it's about the future of the natives right you're trying to convert them to Catholicism and these Protestants are showing up, and they could just poison their minds, essentially, as how Philip II and how uh, Pedro Menendez the Avila. They they are they are one and the same. They they are saying, you know, it is the Christian duty to Catholicize natives, and we'll be damned or we'll be darned if the Protestants aren't going to get to them first. So it is it is a it is a absolute death struggle that takes place in Florida between these two. These two fates, which you know, is something that is something that people just absolutely cannot understand in the twenty-first century. They simply can't relate to that sort of that that worldview that, you know, you're you're talking about a time really maybe four hundred years ago. You're but you're talking about a time that is just it's so unknowable and so chaotic and so violent. That someone's faith is just absolutely, without question, the most important identity that they have. It's what gives them hope. It's what gives them stability in really dangerous times. And it is, you know, it is your core identity. And that is something that you just don't compromise on. And it's something that you're worth it's worth dying for. It's worth killing for. And so we talk about French Huguenots and Protestants and Lutherans and Calvinists and reformed. And, you know, in the 21st century, even if, if we're going to have a discussion about politics and religion and, you know, if, if you think, if you think that there's intolerance in people's religious beliefs in relation to each other now, I mean, you can't even imagine the way it was 400 years ago where you have a, spanish catholic and a french protestant so you're talking about reading the same bible by 21st century standards they only live hundreds of miles away from each other in nations that are neighbors and they are willing to absolutely just butcher each other like wild animals over over this piece of dirt in in another part of the world it's just it's just something that you just it's hard to actually wrap your mind around that in the 21st century but the, but the catholic threat is a very important threat the reason why you know so much time and effort is put into colonizing conquering subjugating florida is to is to convert natives
0: and we'll get back to that in just a minute because that's such an important part uh, of this work uh that, that, that you've published. Uh, but on the theme of religion, uh, and piracy, you mentioned piracy a little while ago. Uh, there is a common narrative in American history and the way it's, uh, told to us about Roanoke Island and how, uh, wonderful that was and what, what, what a, uh, an important foundation origin story that was. But as you put it in your book, and I, I think correctly, uh, Sir Francis Drake is a pirate, right? He's a religious zealot. He sacked St. Augustine in 1586 because uh, uh, he was anti-Catholic, right? By this time, Elizabethi- El- Elizabethan England is very anti-Catholic. And they found Roanoke Island in what is part of, at the time, a Spanish claim uh, for f- the same sort of religious purposes,
1: That uh, you know, I I argue that uh, that that Roanoke you know is is a Roanoke. The way I teach it, and the way I write it, and the way that I understand it is that Roanoke is a business opportunity. It's funded by the same people that will go on to fund Jamestown. It's not a part of the Virginia Company or the Merchant Company yet. It's a little before that, but it is is—it is a sales pitch made to fund a colony that will survive by making money by robbing the Spanish. That is the business model. <laughs> That is the business model. So we're not saying that the English don't, you know, the English, uh, you know, the Anglican church is not an important part of English life because it it obviously is. But that isn't first on the list when they're talking about Roanoke. Roanoke is a way for basically a group of investors to make a return on their investment. And that is done by rating Spanish shipping. And they do it actually before Roanoke um goes away they actually before war, b- before you know the whole armada that happens in 1588 and they go to war and they have to basically abandon the Roanoke colonists i think it's richard grenville i believe who successfully takes like an entire spanish treasure ship and just sails it right back to london and they sell it at this incredible profit it's just loaded with gold and silver and pearls and cochineal dyes and just everything i mean everything that the spanish have exploited out of the new world they pack on these ships it's almost like this Goonie moment where there really is a history in the Caribbean where there are ships that are sailing from point A to point B loaded down with gold and silver, right? And sometimes bad things happen to them, which is why St. Augustine exists. But that is just driving this emergent business class in London. It's just driving them up the walls because they here they read in the newspaper every day about Spain sailing boats filled with gold into into Seville and Cadiz, and they're just... It's driving them insane. They they want they want in on that, and the easiest way to get in on that is to rob them, right? And this is a period that you know um, naval and, and naval uh, historians and um, they refer to it as the you know, the this, this sea war that happens between Elizabethan England and uh, I think, it's not Philip II, it's Charles, I believe, but uh, it it is you know everything's quasi legal. This is the era of mark and reprisal where. You know, it's really kind of a difficult, uh, idea to even really understand of how you can have a piece of paper that says you're not quite a pirate, but (laughs) you're sort of at war. And they, they think that this is, this can be so successful that they literally create the Roanoke business model of this is a pirate base. And not only does it work, I think it's, uh, it's Grinville's, uh, tiger that sacks, um, the Spanish treasure, the, 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 the I'm sorry, the Spanish treasure ship. And I believe that when, when Sir Francis Drake calls at Roanoke, that's directly after he burns St. Augustine, which is after he burns Cartagena, which is after he burns Santa Domingo. So he is just cruising right through the Caribbean on a on a mission with one goal, and that is to cause as much havoc and make as much money off the Spanish, uh, off the Spanish as he possibly can. And where does he stop the reprovision Is Roanoke. It, Roanoke is is serving the exact function which it was created. It was created to prey on Spanish shipping, which if you look at a map, and this is one of the things that I, you know, I actually enjoyed, probably the, the single most enjoyable part to write for me that I learned a lot about is how the way that the currents and the way that the, and the way that the winds, but mostly the currents, I mean, they make it inevitable that ships have to travel a certain route. They have to enter the Caribbean a certain way they have to navigate the Caribbean a certain way. The Gulf mm. of Mexico. They have to they have to navigate the Gulf Stream a certain way. And you know, Roanoke turns out to be a really terrible location. It's uh, I mean, the harbor is an, uh, is is not suitable. It's swampy and shallow. But they pick the location because it's just far enough away from St. Augustine to where they won't get directly harassed. But it is clearly still on the treasure fleet route and and that you know these ships cruise along the coast heading up florida and heading up the coast of south carolina so close that you can imagine being on the coast you could probably see them at certain places probably not up the coast of south carolina but certainly up the coast of florida and they have to cruise you know basically right by right by the outer banks and that's where they decide to set up this it's that's no coincidence right that's that's on the that's on the route of the treasure fleets they are trying to prey on the treasure fleets when they are most vulnerable and when they are packed down with the most gold and silver. And that is the story of Roanoke. Roanoke is right, the first English attempt to settle in the southeast is only because they are obsessed with Spanish shipping and want to prey on it as as much as they can, right? So in that case, it's it's not so much about the mainland of La Florida, it's about La Florida, it's it's about it's about the, the currents right off the coast.
0: I certainly hope there are more professors now in the 21st century. I went to uh, college in the 20th century uh, that are teaching it the way you just uh, taught it or the way you just told it to us because that makes perfect sense and explains why Roanoke uh, was settled, where it was settled and the motivation and everything. Um, so thank <laughs> go ahead. <laughs>
1: That is that is an excellent I mean you know I, I, I appreciate it uh, but but the the and this gets to I guess the very nature of this conversation is that I, I didn't uncover any new archival evidence of this. I mean uh, Richard Hacklett, I mean he writes this. I mean everyone writes this. these guys are pirates. every one of them has had a, a long history of, of, of privateering. Uh, you know, Christopher Newport is like just one of the most legendary pirates that has ever existed, right? He's all over the place in these records. Richard Grenville's a pirate. Sir Walter Raleigh's a pirate. These guys are all pirates, and they don't make any qualms about the fact that this is a legitimate business. This is how we're going to run it. We're going to make money by stealing gold, and you know, it just goes to it just goes to I guess the, the larger theme that we're talking about is that. Um, You know, that's not uh that's not exactly like a hidden history. That's out there. They uh they they pronounced it, you know, widely and gladly and they print they they printed it. The Queen of England, you know, ate it up and Sir Sir uh Francis Drake was such a good pirate, she knighted him for it, you know, and this is this is well known. So how that fails to to influence people in the 21st century you know that's that's really the reason why i write a book like this was that you know this is not this is not that hard to see you just have to you just have to accept that this goes sort of against you know what you thought about roanoke and what you thought about the very reason why the english were here to begin with
0: so let's actually stop here for this week that's a great overview and then next week, we're going to pick up and talk about more complicated topics, Native Americans, disease, er- eradication of uh, natives, Spanish missions, and of course, the topic of slavery, which is n- never pleasant to talk about, but something that we have to look at in great detail, uh, Florida, obviously very, very much uh, instrumental in the entire slave trade. And in fact, uh, in this book, uh, you get a, a different look at why maybe even Florida was founded, why the Spanish were not interested in Florida, uh, the roots of slavery, not only from the African slave trade, but also here in the new world. So uh, we're going to pick up with that next week. And uh, uh, here's where you can get the book.
1: It was just published um, and it was published uh, by uh, Pineapple Press which is an imprint of Pequot and Roman Littlefield so it's pretty widely available it it would be in most Barnes and Nobles uh, in Florida um, you'd have to you know, in physical uh, in physical form which is exciting um I was able to find one in Fort Lauderdale the other day, which is exciting. So Barnes and Noble carries it, they carry it online and they they also carry it in a lot of their stores. So it's available through all of the classic purveyors online. Amazon covers it it carries it. I think they actually already discounted it a little bit, which is kind of exciting. So you can get it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, Books A Million. You can go to the Roman Littlefield page and they'll, they'll show you a lot of different places where you can access it. I actually have a personal webpage as well, Kevin Kokomo. Um, and I post it there I post a, a couple different, uh, a couple different um, places where you can find it so it's pretty widely available it's new um, but Amazon right
0: now has a excellent uh, so Amazon, Barnes & Noble any local bookshop here in Florida uh, any of the online uh, uh, independent vendors you'll find this book we'll be back with you next week